0: one of the things that has saddened me over the years has been how much the devil has taken a he has taken a large number of people and he has from the church and he's he's convinced them Either another way or no way. Just live life. And that's been one of the most, I guess, as I've grown older and back, look back over the years, those that have fallen away, even here at Fountainhead, we had all the people that was here, let's say, 10 years ago, even maybe less, a building we'd probably have to build on. And I don't know always what, I, but we said we'd follow him all of our days. Young people, did you see what you sung today? you got a long way to go if God gives you the life he's given me. But anyway, that's just something to think about. And that's what I want to do today is just give us some stuff to think about. I want to tell you something, the lesson we have, the... the uh, class that we went through with uh, Matt. Matt, excellent job. Excellent job. I, I think one of, the, one of the things that's made us, I, I call it sterile or unproductive in our Christian life, is I don't think we truly understand the Holy Spirit being in us, making us alive spiritually. And we know, as we pointed out, there's, no, there's nothing that you can know or do that you can't read in the Word. The Spirit don't do that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you what, the lesson is one that we need to give great uh, attention to. That God is so loving to us that He would give us not only the Word, with the Spirit to help us and to to, uh, uh, plead for us. Well, um, we have a great bunch of Christians here, I think. We have a great bunch of Christians here. There's some things that we're slack in. Some of us are more than others, but we have a great group. And I do appreciate the prayers made on the behalf of the elders. Uh, Almost every service that we're at, whoever's praying, prays for the elders. And uh, uh, I pray that we are leading you, but we'll talk a little bit more about that. I want to say thank you to the congregation for praying for my sister-in-law. Peggy Shockley, she is doing well. She told me that this week that when she goes to the doctor, they ask her if she's hurting anywhere, and she says no. She said, I assume they think I should be, but I said to her, but they don't know how many praying for you. And I'm hoping that in time, the doctors will say your your cancer's not there because we prayed steadfastly for her. But it is slow growing, so it will be. It will be if it goes its course. It will be a while. Uh, but continue to pray for. And also, as mentioned, Brother David uh, did receive his heart. Uh, I think they started seven thirty yesterday afternoon, and four thirty this morning. They completed it. He was in his room. He's doing better. He's doing good. I should say. But, uh, of course, there's a, that's a long road to recovery with that. But uh, we want you to continue to pray for him. He appreciated it. I told him that we were praying for him, and he appreciated that so much. He's a great man of the gospel, has a deep belief. He told me the other day one of the problems, not only in the religious world, but in the church, is that nobody wants the truth anymore. We just want to be soothed, we want to be entertained, or something like those of those things. But anyway, um, he is a great man. Our deacon suggested that there are five fifth Sundays in the year, and that maybe the elders would pick one and speak to the congregation. So that's what I'm trying to do today. And I hope when we get finished, it will be an encouragement to you. Um... and that's, that's what I want to do and to encourage you. Uh, I'm going to start out with this here. Uh, the Lord formed man. Sometimes I think we think, well, you know, a baby's born and okay, and then the old person dies and goes on, and then another baby's born and stuff like that. But in reality, God started this, but he not only started it, but he forms us. And the Lord formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. In Genesis. God made us from the dust. Does not mean that man is only dust, but we do have the properties of dust. But in a way, this should make us realize our lowly origin. You're only dust. Don't get too high and mighty. You know, the greatest, I look up, these people that have tremendous wealth, when they die, they just, like everybody else, they're gonna, their body's going to deteriorate. And we are Frail. and to realize the destiny of the physical body. All go to one place, all are from the dust, and will return to dust in Ecclesiastes 3. And even though we're made from dust, we've been fashioned by the hand of God. And when one considers carefully the symmetry, the proportion, and the adjustment of the human body, when one examines the hand and the eye and the brain, You must agree that the psalmist was right when he said, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, that my soul knows you well in Psalms 139. That alone should motivate us to be the kind of people God would want us to do. God cared about you already. He brought you into this world. God has placed a high value on the human body for it houses the Holy Spirit. We studied about this morning. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God and you are not your own? That, that's a, that, that says a lot in that verse. Our mo, great motivator itself. Do you really view yourself as caring around the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in you, housing it. Moreover, of importance, God gave man a soul. It's true that, you know, he, he gave life to animals, but theirs is only mortal. And while man's soul will live forever. So who knows the Spirit of God, uh, the Spirit of the sons of men, Which goes upward and the spirit of the animals which go downward. There are those that like to believe animals go to heaven but really don't. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Not trying to be morbid, just trying to really impress upon us the fact that we come from God. The creator of the universe. Man is going to spend eternity, though, someplace. We've got to get around to talking about that. Each person makes a choice. I got a, a little article that a guy wrote. He was editor of a magazine called The American Scholar. He said, We do not choose to be born, we do not choose our parents. Or the country of our birth. We do not, most of us, choose to die. Nor do we choose the time and the conditions of our death. But within that realm of choicelessness, we do choose how we live. We do choose how we live. There's a lot of things we have no control over but that we do have control over. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's in First Corinthians chapter 6. So are you giving God the glory by serving Him daily? Sometimes we get distracted, don't we, in life. The story goes of a soldier, a Union soldier who was a watchmaker before he went into the military and when they set up camp there were some of the guys that needed their watches fixed so he would he set up a little business, pretty prosperous and when they told him to be ready to go, they're breaking up camp the watchmaker said, uh, or the soldier which way you want to look at him, he said, well, I'll tell you what. i still got some work to do, and I'm going I'm to stay here and finish that. Is it possible that we, too, have forgotten our purpose? We have a tendency to get distracted, to forget our work as a Christian. Christ did not forget his purpose while on earth. His purpose was to seek and save the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, intellectually, we know that. We read it out of the Bible. But do we really internalize it? Does it really mean something in our life? That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He left nothing, uh, he let nothing distract him that's talking about Jesus until he had finished the work that his father had given him to do. So we need to be careful that we do not become distracted. That certainly applies to elders and deacons and all that are in the church. We need to be about our father's business as Jesus was. You haven't gone to sleep, have you? I'm pretty boring. You know, when you go over to Ephesians chapter 4, I mean, there's so many great, great scriptures. I looked through the Bible and was reading about how we die to ourselves. But in Ephesians, the last three chapters... I just want to go through a little bit of this here, Uh, we won't really uh, talk in depth about a lot of this, but if you begin in the, uh, let's say the 25th chapter, and you check off in your life the things that you read about, check off, how am I doing there, therefore he said, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down, or do not let the, the devil, the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stows steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good. That he may have something to give to him who has need. There's more of a purpose to work than just for me. Paul said, there are people that need but do not have. So work for that purpose too. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification. That it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Here we go again. To whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ gave you therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love in the fifth chapter when you go through there look, look at those things that he said there if we comply with that we will uh, we'll be better people better to one another and that's the point do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What, is, what does the Spirit through the Word tell you you need, need to be doing? You know, that, that's one of the things that we, uh, we, I don't know that we pay close attention to. But we need to do there. Be imitators of God. You know, he goes on through here and says some, some good things. We, need, we can go on and read it. I'm going to let you do that. But then he tells, he gets to the home and he talks about how the husband and the wife are to talk, treat one another and deal with one another. He gets in chapter 6 to the children. The children, he said to, for you to obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. But now parents, he also said, you be careful, okay. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Now that don't mean that you, you have to give in to your children. But it does mean that you have to bring them up in verse 4 there. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the word. Admonition of the Lord. You know, the most precious thing that parents have are their children. And I see this more and more as I get older. Maybe I didn't when I was younger. I didn't have the time to think so much about it. But when you become grandparents, you look back on your children and you say, well, I wish I'd have done that different. And my children are doing this with their children. I wish, I'd like to tell them not, you know, not to do that. They, got, they, had, they get an opportunity to make mistakes like you do, of course. But the thing of it I'm trying to say is your children are your most precious possession. Teach them God's will early. Stay with it through all your life with your children. I teach my grandchildren too. My grandsons, I think they get tired sometimes to hearing. They come, every time they come out there, the uh, oldest one drives, so they come out, and I say, well, you know, uh, and I'll give them a Bible lesson, and you know, they, they are good kids, I, I, not because they're mine, but, you know, I give the credit not only to the family, but to God and the church. The church has been great for our children and grandchildren. We, our children grew up in an area where there are hardly any churches of Christ. And so the church really stepped in and was a great help. And though I give the credit to that, their mother was a good, good mother. Their dad is still the jury's out on That was not a joke. That's the truth. But but I'm going to tell you, I grieve for children that do not have parents that care for them. Because as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. I'm telling you, young people, I'm telling you, when I say young people, I'm old enough to talk to 40-year-olds and call them young. Right, Eddie? But you know what? Your greatest possession is your children. And when you become a grandparent, your children are not able to take care of your grandchildren. They just don't know enough. That's just the way it is, Mickey. That's just the way it is. There's been times I've threatened to take my grandchildren away. My children are good children with their, with their children, but I, I just don't think they, they know enough to deal with, you know. But I'm telling you, I, I just can't stress this enough. Young, if you haven't had children and you have children, you will understand. But train those children in the Lord because if they get away very high in life, and you haven't trained them properly. You, you know what? You can bring them to church. Don't just bring them to church. You need to do that. But if you don't bring them to church. And you don't teach it to them. So that they have their own faith. They own it. It's theirs. Then uh, I'm telling you. You're going to eliminate a lot of problems in your life. If you teach your children to love the Lord. You're going to eliminate. Talk to people. Okay. But anyway. There are great people that after they taught their children, their children still went, uh, you know, but uh, that happens because we're all subject to the world in which we live. Paul finishes the chapter talking about the whole armor of God. When you signed up to be a child of God, did you know you were going to be a soldier of the cross? If you got your armor on, the Bible talks about that. And, you know, there are no part-time soldiers. Well, yeah, I shouldn't say that because when I was in the military, Chris, we called them weekend warriors. They would go on the weekend and train, and they would uh, go for a couple weeks a summer to train. We called them that. I I shouldn't have, I guess, because they serve a vital part in our country Uh, I think it's the National Guard isn't it I don't know if they still follow that schedule or not but he told us read those scriptures about being a soldier soldiers don't show up occasionally nor are they able to fight the battle if they don't take some instruction it's just the way it is In 1 Corinthians 15 58, this is my favorite scripture because it's something I really need to keep in mind for me. But he said this after all the great things he said in the chapter, he said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I could go, I could go through the congregation and tell you. mention their name. I say abounding, abounding, abounding. They're abounding. They're always abounding. We have a lot of great workers in the congregation here. Never allow yourself to become discouraged from doing God's will. Paul said he was a debtor not only to the Jew but the Gentile also to preach the gospel to them. Do you feel like you're in debt to do that? My time's running out. There was a story. I I watched a probe on tv this week and the lady was talking about how her dad what her dad had done when she was little killed their mother and she saw it and then tried to burn the house up with the children in it and only a couple siblings survived and there she was scarred talking about her dad and her dad had died and she said you know i think about my dad and what's going on with him and god she said God's probably saying, what'd you do with that precious family that I give you? What'd you do with them? And I sat there and listened to her, and I thought about that. I thought, you know, God's going to say the same thing to us, isn't he? He's going to say the same thing to us. What have you done with the precious family that I've given you? What, are you gonna, what have you done with the precious family that I've given you? Here's what Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's not just physical things. It includes physical things, but it includes spiritual things, too. Be about your father's business with your children. One last thing I want to do. If you go to the book of Philemon and read it, (laughs) it is an interesting book. Very interesting book. Paul is talking to Philemon about his slave, Onesimus, that's run off. And uh, Paul and Onesimus become friends, they they, they get acquainted. And Paul starts, starting in verse 8, he said, Therefore, though I might be bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in chains. (laughs) He was all he was all chained up and he is still preaching the gospel to people. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me, he says. Now are you listening? I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wished to keep with me. That on your behalf, he might minister to me in the chains of the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing. That was a good deed. Might, uh, I, that your good deed might not be by compulsion. In other words, you just feel you got to do it even though you don't want to do it. As it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. No longer is a slave, but more than a slave. A beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and the Lord. And it's a beautiful story, isn't it? How, hey, you know what? He left you. He, he rightfully, you honed him. But he's going to be your brother when he comes back. So it's going to be different now. You've got a different relationship. But he goes on and he says, if, if then you count me as a partner... If you count me as a partner, Paul's saying, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that to my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay not to mention to you. uh, this This is really significant here. Not to mention to you that you owe me. Even your own self besides what he was doing is he was calling in his favor, wasn't he, from Philemon? He said, "Hey, you know, you know, if you hadn't, if it hadn't been for me, you may have never obeyed the gospel. So I'm going to call in my favor of what I've done for you. It's kind of hard, isn't it, hard to re- reject someone that's called in their favor after you've done so much for them? And that was the greatest thing that Paul could do for Philemon." Well, today I thought I'd call in my favors. And all there could be a lot of people, you could do it too. But for everybody here, hardly any family, that as an elder I have not touched your life in one way or another. I did it because I loved you and I wanted to. But I want you to, I'm going to call in the favor that because of what I've done for you, I want you to be more dedicated to God. I want you to think in your life. If nothing else, I stood out there, Billy Joe stands out there, all the elders stand out there, and we, we encourage you as you come out. So today, I think i got Bible to do that. Paul did it. He's calling in a favor. I'm calling in a favor. I want us to see us more dedicated. I want you, hey, this is this is what I want for you. I want you to be dedicated enough to read your Bible and to look in your life and see what do I need to do to be the kind of person God wants me to do in the position I'm in. Okay? I don't think that's too much to ask, is it? But let me let's go a little further than that. You know that God has emotions? If you go to Zephaniah three, seventeen, God said, Oh, you know what? He says, Here I am in your midst, sitting not far away, but close. Observing what is going on in the world and the regions around you, on behalf, he says, "I am glad and I am singing." God is glad and God is singing because of us. But then, if you go to Hosea chapter eleven, he said, "I'm sad. My heart churns within me." Go, go read those. those it's as if and I. Uh, 317 in Hosea 11 and uh, 3 or 4 verses there 3, 4 and 8 especially that talks about God has emotions when you do not do God's will in your life and I do not do God's will in our life God is sad that's just the way it is now because he gave his son for us so Let's do this. Let's let God call in his favors today. He gave us salvation. I'm not willing that any should perish. So I'm going to let my son die on the cross. And Mark, read a, he read an account of, not, it wasn't just a hanging on the cross. It was a brutal thing. I think we live in a world of where we have so much. It's like our brother David. Heart, His heart was gone, but now he's got a new heart. And so we just think, oh, it'll be all right. I don't have to put too much allegiance to God. It'll be all right. It works itself out. The scripture does not say in vain, forsake not the assembling. You do not grow closer to God when you stay away. You do not grow closer to each other by staying away. It's just the way it is. If you didn't show up at home very much, you would never get to know your family, would you? Nor would you share in on all the blessings that come from being with family. But it's more than that. It's not just come sitting on the pew. Because he follows that up if we sin willfully. Anything, if you go up Prior verses, he talks about the things that brings us to that point. He's not just that. Don't come and sit on the pew. Come and sit on the pew, but in your daily life and in all your life, be dedicated to God. Hold precious the things that are precious. Okay? I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. I'll tell you this, now I'm serious about you doing I did those things Because I wanted to and I love you But in return I want you to love God And I want you to I want you to be dedicated to God There's some not here And I'm disappointed He should be here But anyway, let's from this day forward Let's do it, okay If you're not a Christian, you need to be you will not enjoy the blessings of God if you're not a child of Him. And Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It's just that simple. Just that simple. And if you are a child of God and you're not dedicated to the kingdom, it's not been a lesson that's hard to understand. You need to make it right. You might not have to come forward. But you do need to make it right in your life, and you need to become more. Quit letting things distract you. Would you come?